Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, Girl Detective. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. There are few things that cry out for introspection quite as strongly as the passing of one year into the next. An artificial milestone, to be sure, but aren't they all? There is no denying the revelation amidst revelry that the Earth has run its course around the sun once again, carrying you as a passenger without a ticket or a destination. It forces a fella to answer the musical question, just what are you doing here, son? And do so after a few well-meaning cocktails. I have always felt that it is this nagging question that leads to the fever of frivolity that people call New Year's Eve. The city shuts down for one giant soiree that becomes a debauch, that becomes a drunken brawl, and for what? To celebrate the promise of a new year, or to desperately, if belatedly, attempt to inject some passion into the old one. It was a fool's road to remorse, and I had long ago given it up. This had been my policy for many a year, and it had stood me in good stead. Thing is, there was an X factor in my life just now, and it was playing havoc with my seasonal expectations. I'd had turkey for Thanksgiving dinner instead of scotch. Okay, I had turkey, then scotch. But this was still pretty Norman Rockwell by my standards. I shared a cozy Christmas with the same X-Factor, a certain brunette that could stop your heart and then start it again, since she happened to be a nurse. Convenient. And to top it all, I, Jack Justice, had plans for New Year's Eve for the first time since before the war. But my hard-boiled holidays weren't the only thing taking a beating. There were certain moments when my natural banter just didn't lend itself to the circumstance of my current romantic contentment, just such a moment arose this particular 30th of December, when the door to our palatial offices opened and a pair of legs entered that were so perfect that it took me a full minute to realize someone had come in with them. She was long and lean, and there was something taut about her, like a python coiled and ready to strike. Her hair was blonde, whether by nature or design I knew not, nor did I care. Her eyes were so ice blue I nearly gasped from the cold. There was a sudden flash in those eyes which she quickly reined in, in favor of something more demure. I beg your pardon. You have it. And anything else on the menu. I mean, <coughs> sorry. How can I help you, miss? I was looking for Miss Dixon. And you found Mr. Justice. Will I do? Oh, I expect you'll more than do. Well, I... Uh, that is... You see... Oh, my, tongue-tied. I wouldn't have thought you were the type. I wouldn't have thought so either, but here we are. So... There really is a Mr. Justice. As far as I know. There was one in the shaving mirror this morning. Forgive me. The name sounds a little fanciful. Fanciful? I like that. You like it? It's yours. I'll have you know the justices came over on the Mayflower. Really? Well, 
I suppose it's possible they stowed away. Is everything all right? Of course. What could be better? It's just you seem to be trying not to look at me. Is that right? Rather pointedly so. Am I really that unpleasant to look at? Sister, I'm pretty sure we both know that isn't true, so don't play with your food. Spoil sport. Darn tootin'. Can I offer you some coffee, miss? Lorraine. Eva Lorraine. Yes, thank you, I will. Milk or sugar? Surprise me. Then you take it black. Surprised? Astounded. How do you know Trixie? I beg your pardon? Trixie. Miss Dixon. Since the sign outside doesn't specify the genders of Justice or Dixon, but you thought to ask for Miss... Trixie? Oh, my. She was Patricia when I knew her. Patricia? Yes. Became Trisha, became Trixie. I suppose. This must have been quite some time ago. Her own mother calls her Trixie. You know her mother? She has a thing for me. And what might that thing be? Patty? Huh? Evie? Patty! Patty? Shut up, you. Evie, I see you've met Jack. I'd like to offer a blanket apology for everything he's said or done. He's been a perfect gentleman. Well, put it in your pocket. You'll need it sooner or later. Oh, Patty, it's so good to see you. Maybe I should just take the dog out for a couple of beers so you and Patty can catch up. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Justice. You see, I'm afraid that it's more than just... Well, there is also a small matter that is both personal and professional, if you take my meaning. Perhaps you had better stay. I will. If you promise to call me Jack. Jack, then. And while we're on the delicate subject of nomenclature, Evie, I haven't been Patty since I was 15. And I haven't been 15 in, well, in a little longer than I'd care to admit. Miss Dixon's precise age is neither the subject of great mystery nor deep fascination that she thinks it is. You prefer Trixie? If you don't mind. But what's all this about personal and professional matters, Evie? You're about the last person I ever expected to hire a detective. Is it all right if I ask where you two know each other from? From From school. Ah. Can I assume from the identical little pauses that you were studying at Our Lady of Minimum Security at the time? He knows? He had somebody downtown pull my jacket two hours after we met. She had, at the time, tried to shoot me. But we're getting off topic. Pull up a chair, Miss Lorraine, and tell us all about it. Thank you, Jack. I'm sorry. Trixie... I assumed that a friendly face would make this easier, but I feel even more of a fool now. I understand, Evie. But you know that you can trust me, and that will make everything that follows easier. And you'll feel better when you get things off your chest. Now just take a deep breath, and there's a good girl. Now tell me all about it. Still the mother hen. You always did look after me. And I will. Start at the beginning. I hardly know where to begin. There was a man... Is it that obvious? Not at all. Just more common than you'd think. This is what we do, miss. Nothing you say is going to shock us very much. Jack, please. Go ahead, Evie. Well, I'd rather not tell you his name if I don't have to. It's all so humiliating. Start simple, and we'll let you know what blanks we need filled. I met him about two months ago. I've been away from the city for years. I hardly know a soul anymore. And meeting old friends can be... Well, everyone has moved on, haven't they? Just look at you. Anyway, I was lonely, and Richard... I'm sorry. He was very sweet, very kind. Very married? Yes. Oh, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't want to. I wanted to believe his lies. And I suppose I deserve what I get as a result. Don't talk like that. When did you find out? A week ago. 
Maybe a little more. Oh, I was furious. I was hurt. I told him I never wanted to see him again. And this should be the end of the story? Yes. He wasn't happy with the situation? No. He wanted to keep... He wanted to keep seeing me. Thought I should be happy to be his mistress. Was he paying the bills? Jack! No, he wasn't. Does that matter? Just making conversation. He has some letters that I wrote to him. They are... They are very indiscreet. He threatened me with their release. He's bluffing. Jack! Married men don't release proof of their own infidelity. That is exactly what I said, Jack. But the letters are all addressed to my dearest R. It would be my word against his, but I would be completely ruined. Those must be some letters. This isn't a Regency romance novel, you know. My first letter was... It was racy, I admit. It seemed to excite him. He encouraged me to write more and more daring letters. I was in love and eager to please. It all seemed so harmless. I had no idea I was setting myself up for blackmail. Blackmail? Actual blackmail, or is he still just trying to pressure you? I made it clear that I would not allow myself to become his plaything, or to be a willing conspirator in his betrayal of his wife. He now seems willing to console himself with money. How much money are we talking about here? Five thousand. Dollars? Believe me, Jack, it is a small price to pay. Evie, where did you get that kind of money? My husband passed away a little over a year ago. He left me well provided for. I'm afraid I made that too obvious. So what do you want us to do? I want you to handle the transaction. To handle... You mean you want to pay this louse? I don't see that I have any choice. Well, there's always choices. Let us have a delicate word or two with Prince Richard. No, Pat... Trixie. No, I only want this finished. He will, of course, be spending New Year's Eve with his wife. But he will be sending a man to the Drake Lounge with an envelope at eight o'clock. He will be at a table reserved under the name Carney. I am to make the exchange there. But I simply can't bear it. And I don't trust him. I want you to handle this for me. And bring the envelope to me at my hotel. Which is? The Metrolite, room 545. Evie, are you sure? Our rate is $39 a day, plus expenses. Jack! Of course. May I leave you a retainer? That'll be just fine. Jack, for Pete's sake! No, no, he's quite right, Trixie. Believe me, it's more than worth it to me not to have to face this myself. If I can only know that this is over before the new year rings in, perhaps I can put the past behind me. Evie, if this is what you really want, I'll see to it that you're looked after. Thank you. Oh, I can't tell you what it means to me to have you looking after me again. Once this is over, we'll get together and really talk. Talk like I haven't since we were in pigtails. You're going already? I must. I'm sorry. This whole business has me worn to a frazzle. I could burst into tears at any moment. Thank you so much, Trixie. And Jack, very nice to have met you. And you, Miss Lorraine. I have to ask, was your husband from Chicago? I thought I heard a trace of an accent in your voice. I don't think so, Jack. I've been in San Francisco for ten years. My mistake. Guess my ears aren't getting any younger. I'll see you tomorrow night. I'll be there. With the amount of pro bono idiocy we perform on behalf of every hairy hardluck in the neighborhood you share a beer with, you'd think we could cut an old friend of mine some slack. You aren't actually buying that routine, are you? What are you talking about? 
I don't care how downright pornographic those letters are. There's no way they're worth five thousand dollars. I guess they are to her. And the boyfriend who doesn't want to let her go then turns into a blackmailer. So what? So what? So a man who tries to force a girl to be his mistress is domineering. A blackmailer is a submissive worm that stings. You don't just turn from one into the other. Obviously, he did. I see. What does that mean? It means you got no perspective on this. I'll give you a swell perspective of my fist in your eye. How about that? She's rich enough to drop five grand, but she brought it to us. We're old friends. Okay, she's rich enough to drop five grand, but she's living at the Metrolite. Metrolite's not that bad, and living in any hotel isn't cheap. Okay. What does that mean? Okay, it's a colloquial expression signifying consent. What? It means okay. If your heart's not in this, your head won't be either. Yes, but when has that slowed us down before? I can handle this by myself. You can just take your princess to the ball. It's just drinks with friends. Oh, you have friends now. No, but she does. And don't worry about me. I can squeeze one more fool's errand into the old year, if only to ring in the new one. Watching you be this wrong. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater dot com. The name's Dixon, Trixie Dixon, girl detective. I want to be very clear about this. The fact that I decided to spend at least part of my day checking up on my old friend Evie does not imply, to the slightest degree, that I thought Old Squarejaw might be right about her, or that I respected his instincts to the smallest degree. Quite the opposite, in fact. I knew that he had agreed far too quickly to keep our date at the Drake, and that he would spend the day busily engaged, by his standards, in preparing a monkey wrench to throw into the works somehow. It seemed to me that if I wished to properly counter his every stupid argument, it would help to have covered the same ground, and that was the reason, and the only reason, that I found my delicate little feet crossing the threshold of the Metrolite Hotel. Jack preferred to have other people do his work for him whenever possible, which would probably send him looking for an old friend. Excuse me, I wonder if I can speak to Elf McKinney. I wonder if you can too. Oh, hello, Elf. Oh, hello yourself. You haven't called in a while. You stopped taking my calls. Right around the time you started phoning up at three in the morning and threatening to shoot me. Ah,、uh, impetuous youth. It was six months ago. You calling me old? What do you want, Trixie? That hurts my feelings, McKinney. Uh huh. We both know you don't have any. And I don't think you'd drop by to see if I had plans for New Year's. Do you? Nothing I couldn't be persuaded to pawn off on my staff. It's good to be the king. Uh huh. So which of my guests do you need the kind of information on which I should not, under any circumstances, be giving you? Again with the feelings. Dixon. Evie Lorraine.、Mm, don't got no Evie. Got an Eva. Don't split hairs. You know her. She in trouble? You tell me. Ah,、oh, jeez. Look, officially, the policy of the Metrolite Hotel frowns on female guests entertaining gentlemen callers in their rooms. But. But I got fifteen floors to serve and protect, and as long as nobody's getting hurt, sometimes I prefer to treat people like adults. Besides, she seems nice enough, and I didn't get the feeling it was business being done. Just how many gentlemen callers are we talking about here, Elf? Didn't exactly keep track. Settled down into one regular fella pretty quick, though. A local is my guess. Anybody you know? Nope. Which just means he isn't the sort to frequent hotels and make trouble. Looks pretty soft, actually. Banker, businessman, some kind of suit, anyhow. 
Haven't seen him in a few days, but I haven't exactly been looking. How long's she been here? Maybe eight weeks, maybe nine. She pays residential by the week. You want I should check with the desk? Skip it. She take a suite? Suite? No, single. Anything else? If I think of anything, you'll be the first one I call. Lucky me. So she in any kind of trouble I need to know about? Doesn't look that way. Story checks out, more or less. If I find out otherwise, you'll know before anyone else does. Good enough. Oh, hey, listen. Unless I miss my guess, you'll be seeing a certain square jaw before too long. Do me a favor and give him the runaround, would you? Professional courtesy tricks. I don't get involved in your demented parlor games with Jack. Well, at least don't tell him I was here. That I can do. You're a peach. Say, Dixon, at the risk of sounding cornball, what are you doing New Year's Eve? Sure you want to pose the question, McKinney? It could provoke a whole new tide of late-night destruction and abuse. Yeah, well, I can always sweep up again later. I've got an early appointment at the Drake. Then I stick my head in to see the aforementioned Miss Lorraine. Your office still in the same place? Yeah. Say your prayers extra hard and I might just kick your door in. Ah, impetuous youth. When I hit the street again, it was slick with a fine layer of sleet that was pelting down, reminding those already giddy with optimism for the coming year that there were still forces beyond their control. Forces that didn't much care if they wanted to wear a new hat that evening or not. As for me, the near-frozen drops cutting into my face just represented the final straw. I declined further participation in Jack's ongoing delusions of detectivehood and went home and took a nice hot bath. We'd had no intention of opening the office on New Year's Eve at all prior to the arrival of Evie at our door, so it was something like a quarter to seven that night before I made an appearance at the stylish world headquarters of Justice and Dixon. It was a compromise between my twin desires to spend as little time with Jack as humanly possible and to have the opportunity to properly debunk his idiocy before we departed for the Trey's Chic Hotel Drake and our meeting with an errand boy named Carney. Besides, the envelope with Evie's five grand in it was due to arrive by messenger, and I didn't want to leave Bright Eyes alone with it for a minute. Much to my surprise, he was already there. Much to my dismay, he was looking pleased with himself, which I tend to hate. Well, well. You look all right. For you. Thanks. You look like less of a canned ham than usual yourself. Yes, but we all know my motivation. You're still businesslike, but there's a capital G on girl and a small d on detective. The Drake's an upscale kind of place, and it's New Year's. So this has nothing to do with Alf McKinney seeming flustered and distracted when King and I stopped by to see him this afternoon? Shut up. And what if it is? McKinney's no prince, but he's the kind of frog a girl doesn't mind kissing from time to time. Not that I've made up my mind. And shut up. Ah, Touché. The money here yet? It is not. It's a little strange. Yes, it is. We should leave in half an hour. Yes, we should. Stop being so agreeable. It sets my teeth on edge. Very good, Miss Dixon. All right, hat rack. What do you think you know? A whole lot of not much. If you went to see Elf, you know that Evie's story checks out. More or less, if you're feeling charitable. Who else did you con into doing your work for you? You wound me, madam. Who else? Mike Rogers at the Gazette. Aha! He called some colleagues at the Frisco Papers. No one seems to recall the passage of Eva Lorraine's husband last year. Or Eva Lorraine, for that matter. You don't even know the husband's name. It sure wasn't Lorraine. That is so. But she is still a fairly young woman. For her to feel well provided for would take a not inconsiderable legacy, yes? Might tend to stand out in the memory. Frisco's a big town. That it is. 
It is also a big town without any trace of an Eva Lorraine in the telephone directory. Mike had a San Fran phone book? There was one at the library. How did you know where that was? Well, sometimes I nap in the periodical room. This is what that Chicago bunk was all about, wasn't it? Find out where she really came in from. And still she didn't tell me. Imagine my disappointment. Look, none of this adds up to more than a handful of guesses. And we've kicked clients to the curb for a lot less. She's more than a client. So who is she? She's... Jeez, Jack. Are there... Is there nothing in your past that seems inviolable? No corner five and dime that you couldn't bear to think of selling nudie books behind the counter? No freckle-faced kid in your platoon that seemed too innocent to be in the middle of a war? The five and dime did sell nudie books, tricks. Wrapped up in brown paper like we didn't all know damn well what they were and what sunbathing magazine meant. And the freckle-faced kid? I don't want to talk about the freckle-faced kid. Then you know how I feel about Evie. She was the only girl in that place that didn't seem to deserve to be there. We all looked after her. It was the thing that made us feel half-human. How could I have been wrong about a thing like that? Maybe you weren't. Or maybe she was very good, even then. Jack, for the love of St. Augustine... What about this Mr. Carney we're meeting tonight? Who says that's his real name? Doesn't matter. Dearest R starts out bullying Evie into staying on as his mistress. Then he turns to blackmail. He offers her a packet of steamy letters in return for five large. It ain't that original. This part is. He sends a flunky to finish off his blackmail for him. Hands him a bunch of potentially self-incriminating evidence and heads off for a quiet new year with the missus. The crime's too personal to involve an associate unless the money was a lot better. Blackmailers don't generally take on assistance. So he's not a flunky. So who is he? Let's say Dearest R is more of the soft, middle management type that Alf described. If such a one as that were to send an intermediary, whom would he send? He'd send a lawyer, wouldn't he? He would, in fact, send a lawyer. A quick perusal of the city directory suggests that there are three shingles up with the surname upon them. Two are mostly real estate. One is more of an all-purpose trusted counselor to the pleasantly well-heeled. First name is Carl. I'm betting that's our boy. Carl Carney? Parents can be cruel. This is somewhat beside the point. Jack, there's no reason for us to assume that this is anything other than what Evie says it is. And if it is, you're playing with your license and mine. And I'm too old to get a paper route. If she's been so straight with us, why hasn't the envelope shown up yet? We both know there's only one reason for that. And at that precise moment, there came a rap upon the door. We signed for the envelope, and I tried not to look at Jack. If the intention were for it to arrive so late that we wouldn't consider it any too closely, the delivery wouldn't have been handled any differently. I held the large manila envelope in my hand and considered its shape, its weight, trying to calculate some way that it could be what it was supposed to be. I stared at the massive tape it was sealed with. Opening it would not have been a small undertaking or a quick one, and there would be no way to conceal such an effort. Finally, I looked at Jack and shrugged. We could play it his way. We rode to the Drake Hotel in silence and were led to a quiet booth in the corner, which housed a thin man who answered to the name of Carl before it occurred to him that perhaps he shouldn't have. I ordered a bourbon. Trixie didn't say a word. This was less fun than I thought it would be. It was also something of a two-step. If Dearest R had decided to bite the bullet, any ten of the men in the dim light of the surrounding booths could have been plain-clothes cops. But we also had a duty to protect the interests of our client, at least insofar as we were aware of them. And it was at that moment that it all became clear to me. And suddenly there was sunshine again. Oh, Patty! I mean, Trixie! I'll also answer to Miss Dixon if it's easier to remember. It's so late. I was terribly afraid that something had happened to you. So I see. Thanks, I'd love to come in. Well, I... Been packing? I see. Going somewhere? Well, I thought 
if something had happened, well, you and Mr. Justice can look after yourselves, but... Yeah, we can look after ourselves. Is everything all right, Trixie? Swell. Here's your envelope. Oh, but... Seem a little light? When we got to the Drake, Mr. Carney had a much thicker-looking one for us. Seemed a little odd to us. But I... So Jack made doubly sure. He said, Mr. Carney, before I hand over this envelope, let me be plain. We have been engaged by Miss Lorraine to recover her letters. All of them. Can you assure me that the envelope in your hand contains every single letter or note my client ever wrote to yours? Trixie, I... Funny thing is, Mr. Carney seemed kind of confused. He just blinked at us and said, No, no, it does not. And Jack said, Well, you fix that right now. We'll wait. Carney got on the phone to Dearest R right away, and they made it happen. It took a few hours. I don't know what excuse your boyfriend made to his wife, but we got it. It's a smaller collection than I was led to believe. Patty? Darling, I can't wait to see you tonight. Meet me at the Olive at 7. E. Not real racy by my standards, but to each their own, I guess. There are a couple dozen more. What? Patty, I am so, so sorry. Stop it. You played me for a sap. You played fast and loose with my freedom and my livelihood and it almost worked. And still you got exactly what you asked for, just like you always did. What happened to you, Evie? What happened to that girl that we all wished that we could have been? Don't you have anything to say to me? What about the money? What about the... You got your letters, and Carney got whatever was in that envelope. Candid shots is my guess, starring you and dearest R. If you kept the negatives and decide to try again, Carney has my card, and I will testify against you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to see if the hotel detective is still awake. The hotel detective? That's right. You better keep packing. But don't worry. I'll see that you get a nice long head start. Why are you knocking at my door at 2.30 in the a.m.? Mostly because I do not, as yet, have a key to open the door myself. Does this strike you as a particularly good time to ask for one? Dot, it's snowing a little out here. Oh, all right. You can play the piano and sing to make it up to me. I can what with the how much now? Uh, Angel, I, uh... I don't actually... uh, What's the word? uh, Sing. Oh, that's all right. I don't have a piano anyway. There's some cold chicken in the icebox, if you'd like it. Fantastic. I'm half-starved. Well, that's good. If you'd eaten, I was going to push you back into the snow. Well, are you going to tell me about it? About what? Keeping the world safe from bad guys. Actually, tonight the bad guy was our client. But we did keep the world safe from her, yes. Hmm. Did you still get paid? Yes, I was a very clever boy. Getting an advance also helps. Sorry, I missed the party. It was very casual. How are Ted and Carol? You mean Dave and Karen. Who are Dave and Karen? The ones you always call Ted and Carol. If they were gangsters, you'd remember their names. Well, maybe if Ted and Carol were trying to kill me. Did I mention this chicken is delicious? It's hard to mess up fried chicken. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's always going to be like this, isn't it? Good Lord, I hope so. I mean us. So do I. You joke, and I try not to worry. But for all I knew, you were dead in a ditch somewhere. Dorothy Evans, I've been doing what I do for more years than I care to recall. 
and in that entire time I have spent not one moment being dead. I have been in several ditches, but I prefer not to talk about that. I'm sure. You're an idiot. Yes, but I'm your idiot. That'll do. Happy New Year, Jack Justice. And God bless us, everyone. Blackjack Justice, episode 39, Old Lang Syne, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Clarissa Dunnerland and Julie Florio and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Apparently you enjoy listening to audio dramas, since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26th, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.